1: Night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, JV Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight. We are we have a pretty interesting week lined up. Now uh, any of you, many of you, have been paying attention to what's uh, going on um, this week out in the desert in the Southwest. Of course, uh, you've probably heard of the Storm Area Fifty One. I guess I call it a phenomenon. I think that's the best way to describe it at this point. Uh, it all started with um, a young man who just put up a Facebook page. After watching a, a documentary on Netflix about Bob Lazar, which I've seen that documentary, it's very good. And uh, he just said, we need, we need to storm Area 51. And the next thing you knew, he's got millions of followers on this page and tens of thousands of people were committing and, and um, actually promising to show up for this storm Area 51 exercise. Everybody wants the truth. They want to know what happened there, what's going on there, and why we're not being told about it. So this week, we are going to dedicate the week to discussing UFOs, aliens, and specifically Area 51. And tonight's discussion with George Harris will be specifically about this storm Area 51. Now, let me be very, very clear. Nobody is actually going to storm Area 51, or no one should actually storm Area 51. That is not an acceptable plan. It's ill-advised. You will end up, at the very least, going to jail At the very worst, getting injured. Uh, So don't even consider that. But what this has done is created a a bit of a phenomenon where people are looking for some answers. And in a very peaceful and in a bit of a festive way, there will be uh, gatherings this weekend, September 20th and 21st, near Area 51. And George Harris, our guest tonight, is a ufologist, and he's the owner of the Alien Research Center. And he has put together an event called Storm Area 51 Base Camp Festival. And we'll be talking about that tonight. We're going to talk about the whole genesis of this, plus, you know, just the the mystery that still surrounds this top secret government and military installation. So, great discussion tonight. We'll also continue our discussion of aliens and UFOs tomorrow night with Reed Summers. He'll be talking about the messages of the Allies of Humanity, which are a group of extraterrestrial beings from various planets. And then Wednesday night, our good friend Josh Warren will be here to talk about what's going on on the ground at Area 51 as the weekend nears. So we'll be focusing on aliens, UFOs, and Area 51 all week here on Beyond Reality Radio. A couple things I'd like to mention that happened over the weekend. Uh, you know, we don't talk about music specifically on this show, but we play bumper music, and it's always a big part of what we do. It gives us, sets the tone for the show, uh, sets some energy for the show. And we lost two very, very influential uh, musicians over the course of the weekend. Eddie Money, of course, passed away on uh, September 13th. That would have been Friday the 13th. He was uh, suffering with esophageal cancer. And uh, he lost that battle on Friday. And then over the weekend as well, um, I guess this was Sunday, right? Yesterday, Rick Ocasek, founding member of the Cars, he wrote a lot of their stuff, sang a bunch of it, and was really uh, ultimately responsible, I'd say, for uh, that band being what it was. Rick Ocasek passed away. Of course, we lost uh, Benjamin Orr from the Cars several years back. He was the bass player, sang many of their hits as well. In fact, uh, that song, Drive, a lot of people know that song, Drive, from the Cars. It was one of their 80s hits. That was a Benjamin Orr vocal. So, um, uh, you know, we, 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 we're losing our icons here. That's always sad. Um, let's see. What else do we have to... I guess we don't have a whole lot to talk about before we um, take our first break and get ready to bring our guest in. Uh, I always ask that you visit our social media pages, go to Facebook, and like our Facebook page, Beyond Reality Radio, also like mine, J.V. Johnson, and go to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is J.V. Johnson on YouTube. Very easy to find. There's a live stream of the program there, plus about 300 back episodes for you to enjoy as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, our guest for the evening, George Harris, will be joining us. We'll be talking about Storm Area 51 Base Camp Festival. That's coming up on this, this coming weekend and uh, we have a lot to talk about. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Look out, Rochester. ScareCon is coming for you. The Northeast's leading fan convention for all things pop culture is celebrating its ninth year at the Rochester Riverside Hotel, October 18th through the 20th. ScareCon brings an amazing group of celebrities, panel discussions, film screenings, great vendors, and amazing parties. It's a weekend of fun from start to finish, and it's family-friendly. For more information, visit scarecon.com and check us out on Facebook. Use the promo code BRR at checkout to save 20% on your admission. Mission. that's october 18th through the 20th in rochester new york our guest tonight george harris is a ufologist also owner of the alien research center we're going to be talking about the storm area 51 phenomena, and specifically an event that has arisen out of this effort called the storm area 51 base camp festival which george is running and owns and george welcome to beyond reality radio it's an honor to have you here tonight
2: no, it's thank you. I'm glad that you're taking the time to uh, talk to me.
1: We have a lot to talk about tonight. Um, you know, Area 51 has been the stuff of legend and myth and and all sorts of stories and rumors and fact and fiction. And We've been trying to sort all of this out for such a long, long time. When did this stuff uh, appear on your radar to be something that you were interested in?
2: Oh, when I was in the military, I worked in psychological operations and... We did paranormal activities. We did remote viewing. We did men stare at goats things. And uh, one of the things I did was uh, was alien research. You
1: did this for the military?
2: Yeah, everybody. The mil. You know how much money the military wastes.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think that's probably something we're all uh, somewhat familiar with, familiar with. But um was this is this an active program that was ongoing in the military when you were in it and what branch of the military were you in?
2: I was in the army and yeah, remote viewing was ongoing through the through the um through the CIA paranormal activities uh working with people that are clairvoyant. That's been going on for years and years.
1: Wow. Now
2: if you call if you call the Fort Bragg and ask them, are they going to tell you that that's what they're doing? No, I'm pretty sure they're not.
1: Right. Right. They won't admit to this stuff. You uh, and you were focusing on alien research?
2: Yes. I I interviewed people who thought they were abducted by aliens. You know, that's an interesting That's uh, how I got Go ahead. That's how I got it. That's how I got into this. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, it's
1: interesting to to kind of reference that, given the fact that there seems to have been a shift in the attitude of the military in the last, I don't know, two years, year and a half or so, uh, where they're starting to ease their stance on denial. Uh, are you seeing that as well?
2: Uh, yes, they are easing their stance on denial, and it, it, it has everything to do with the advancement in technology and younger kids understanding technology and and where that it, where it came from. You know, there's a book out called The Last Days of Roswell written by a guy named Colonel Corso, and that's pretty accurate of everything that's gone up on here, Wright-Patterson Field, and the Roswell incident.
1: Technology has changed and advanced so rapidly. And the fact that we uh, you know, have devices that we hold in our hands that NASA wishes they had when they sent the uh, men to the moon, um, it's pretty impressive what we can do. And I think what you're saying here is that it's harder and harder to fool people um, as they become a little more technically savvy and start to understand uh, how much of this works. And therefore, uh, maybe we can't have the wool pulled over our eyes the way we used to.
2: Well, I don't know if the wool pulled over our eyes. I mean, there's a bunch of different views. My view is, you know, um, you know, I, I'm always ridiculed by people because I believe in, quote-unquote, little green men. Mm-hmm. And then as I, have a, as I carry a conversation on with people that have somewhat of an education, I say, well, you know, it's all about faith. I believe in little green men. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, of course I do. Do you believe in God? Yeah, of course I do. Have you ever seen either one of them? Well, no. And I said, no, I've never seen a little green man. But I have faith that, that we're not the only beings in this universe. In fact, it would be pretty obtuse to believe we are. But I think the reason that the government has spent so much time keeping this a secret is because, you know, religion as we know it could collapse because, you know, There is an opinion out there that religion is in place to control the masses. Um, So it's, you know, it's a decision that individuals are going to have to make on their own, what they believe.
1: You know, you bring up a really good point, and we often make it on this program. um, When you're talking about a galaxy, just our galaxy, that has um, hundreds of billions of star systems, uh, with planets revolving around those systems, and then you have billions of galaxies, and you start doing the math, which is almost hard to comprehend. Um, you have to say or believe that the law of percentages is going to uh, roll the dice in the favor of other life forms. In fact, plentiful life forms being around this universe of ours.
2: Uh, that's a pretty. That's a pretty good thought
1: process. <laughs> so, uh,
2: but you, you know, know. go ahead. So so if we're talking about Area 51, you know, we had the Ice Age and the Stone Age and the Industrial Age, and then you move into the Technological Age, which started, like, arguably in 1950. And then you move up to, what's say, the early 80s, and you could get this phone that looked like a brick, and it weighed about 3.2 pounds. And that was a big phone. And now you can pick up a phone and put it in your hand. And run an entire country from that phone. Right. So, technology has expanded so rapidly in such a short period of time, and it's because we're not given. You know, there wasn't a a, a, a map book that said A B C D and here's what's going to happen. You were given information, and then that information was handed. You know, quote unquote, the net file was distributed through all these different companies, you know, uh, Hewlett-Packard and, and Microsoft and all these different, got little little pieces, and then they took it from there and made their technology based, based on what they were given from the nut file.
1: Let's talk about Area 51 for a minute. Um, you know, a lot of people know the name, but not a lot of people completely understand what we're talking about here. Uh, give us a rundown of what we know about Area 51.
2: All right. So in 1947, there was an event or a crash in Roswell, New Mexico. So let's take just a second, whether you believe or not that it happened, or the government's version that it was a weather balloon, which it wasn't. All that stuff from Patterson, or all that stuff from Roswell, was taken to Wright Patterson Field, and it stayed there. Um, the balance of 1947, 48, and late 49 and then they created quote unquote area 51 or this secret groom lake air base. And, uh, that's where all that stuff from that, from that event was taken. Now on area 51, uh, there, there's a family that own the groom lake Mine, which is about 12 and a half miles as the crow flies to the south. um, uh, their mind. If you look to the south, two and a half miles, you'll see Area 51. They coexisted with Area 51, believe it or not, all the way up until November uh, two years ago, and then the then the Air Force threw them off the property. Oh. And and the reason they coexisted, I think, is because you know they were they were miners and they didn't really care what the Air Force was doing, and they had relationships with the Air Force, and the Air Force just said, "Oh no no no, we're you know we're just here designing." Aircraft, but you can't say anything to anybody about it. And they, with all those years, the Sheehan family never said anything to anybody. And they worked up there, and they worked their mind. Um, and so now you get to see Area 51. Now I was lucky enough because I'm an expert witness for the Sheehan family. I got go to go onto Area 51, um, and and look at their look at their property and what the government was about to do because there's a big argument over what the government should pay them out for taking their property under eminent domain. Right. And the Sheehan's have hired a guy named Kermit Waters, who's the premier eminent domain attorney, probably on the planet. I mean, he's won some big cases against the government. Um, the Sheehan family's mining claims were perfected by Ulysses S. Grant. So that's how long this family lived on this property. And they were, their property was ripped from them, uh, Two and a half years ago, um, so they built this secret air base, and and when I was up there, they have a new building going up, and it, and I told you it's twelve miles to the south. You can see everything, you know, because you're up on the you're up on the mesa, looking down right. onto the dry lake bed, and I see a building that looks, and and remember, I'm twelve miles away, right, and this building from twelve miles away looked like it was 10 stories which means it was much larger than that wow. but that wasn't the height of the building isn't what surprised me it was the the length of the building this building had to be had to be a quarter of a mile long possibly a half mile long that's huge it, it's it's huge so then we came off you know when we went up there you know they they put you through you you go through up a dirt road and then they escort you from that dirt road up to a up to a guard shack which is about from the back gate to the guard shack's about 2.3 miles then then they take you through not one but two two different uh two different like x-ray machines and then from there they wherever you go we there was i think 11 of us 11 experts were there and each one of us had two people that were watching us, that oh. went with us wherever. If I went to the bathroom, they came inside the bathroom. Wow.
1: Did you um, have to sign anything? Did you have to agree to anything before you were allowed on, on the base?
2: No, I think they just did it. It took a long time to get permission. Mm-hmm. So I think they just cleared me. I told you I worked, I'm an expert witness for this attorney and for the Sheehan family, and I think they just did a basic check on me and you know they they course checked them and i Mm -hmm. had a security clearance in the military so we were we were out there for about six and a half hours we have to go to break
1: here um but just the final disposition of the sheehan family i'm assuming they don't have any recourse uh but it's just a matter of what they're how they're going to be compensated at this point
2: well, they have recourse. I mean, the judge could rule in their favor, and, and the Air Force would have to let them back on. Oh, wow. Okay. But I don't think that's going to happen because the Air Force is using national security as as their big excuse to throw them off their property. Right. Okay. So they're probably going to end up having to pay them right. about $50 million bucks. Wow.
1: Okay. How did the Storm Area 51 thing get started?
2: Well, there's a guy named Jeremy Corbell, who's a filmmaker who did a film on Bob Lazar uh, that is going, it's on uh, Netflix and they were on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast uh, promoting the show. And they kiddingly were kidding around all of them and saying, well, you know, we should go out there and see what's going on. Cause the, you know, Bob Lazar worked out there. Bob Lazar uh, re-engineered a spaceship. Um, and by the way, I do know this, is true i'm very intimately involved um and talked to bob a bazillion times um so they were on the show talking and they were saying yeah they can't stop it all and then some kid um maddie manzi manzi or mace i can't remember his name but he he's a young kid uh lives in his mom's basement and plays video games and he went from the podcast listening podcast and posted posted this event on Facebook and it and it went viral.
1: And it was in the, like a matter of days. He had um, I don't know if it was millions no, of it was
2: actually a matter, it was actually a matter of hours. Really? Um, because Facebook's algorithms, you know, Facebook has a thing if if you post something and all your friends like it, they'll let you they'll let it organically go to about 1200 or 1500 people. After that, they shut it off. Make you boost your posts, right? That's how they make their money. Okay, so this kid put this up, and as I recall, it was like an hour and ten minutes, and like three hundred thousand people had signed up. Wow! So that went, and then I'm sure Facebook said, "Well, we're not going to stop this one. Let let's see how far it goes." I think it's up to two point six million people now. Wow! Obviously, uh, now now let's talk about. Let's talk about what's going to happen. Sure. This Friday and Saturday we're having a little festival and you have to have a ticket for it. It's very expensive. It's it's only $51, right? Area 51 <laughs> $51 to go to a fest. The average festival ticket by the way is $320. But we are we're only charging $51. We're going to have bands and since we're ufologists, we're going to have speakers that are that are ufology centric that people are really going to want to hear. Um, And then we got uh, some surprise guests with so Dave Foley, member uh, kids from the hall, and, sure, yeah, and network radio. He's coming out because he's a big he's a big alien guy. And there's about four more big names um, that are coming out. Uh, but the agreement is we wouldn't say who they were until you know. I guess we're going to do it a couple days before. But so if anybody wants tickets, they can go to our website, or if they just want to learn about stuff that's going on, go to our website, which is www.StormArea51BaseCamp.com.
1: This, um, the reaction to this, the reaction to the Facebook event post that went viral, that has garnered millions of likes and and tens of thousands of people who um, have pledged to attend, uh, it, it obviously demonstrates there's a seriously, uh, Significant pent up demand for some answers here.
2: Well, yeah, because the government's not being transparent, and and people do want to know what's going on up there. They want to know. Uh, let's see an alien. Um, they're not going to. No one's going to storm Area Fifty One. Right. Uh, Area Fifty One is it's it's surrounded by mountain ranges, and and the folks that call me and they say, Hey, we're going to storm. We're going to. I go. Well, tell me what you're going to do. Well, I'm coming up with some buddies, and I said, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing tennis shoes. What pants are you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. I said, have you ever been on the desert floor at 3 o'clock in the morning? No. I said, well, you could actually, believe it or not, you could freeze to death, <laughs> depending on what time of year it is. And, you know, it could be during the day, it could be 80 degrees, and at night it could be below zero. So and I said, and you're going to go in your tennis shoes. I said, do you know what happens on the desert floor at three o'clock in the morning? Rattlesnakes and scorpions. So they got a bigger, they got a much better chance of getting bit by rattlesnakes than they do storming Area 51.
1: Right. It's really important to emphasize that no one is advocating any real effort to storm the military base. But uh, sounds like well,
2: go ahead. But that's why we did the festival because right. we do know. I mean, the sheriff knows we've all, you know, the government has access to the best equipment in the world, so they're listening to the chatter on Facebook and Instagram and all those other things, and they're estimating that 30,000 people are going to come out here. Wow. Which is really, really cool. Yeah. So we're giving them something to do. We're going to have bands. We're going to have a a vendor village. We're going to have a food truck village. Arby's food truck is coming to our site. We got a lot of cool things that are going to happen. But we want everybody to be safe. If you're coming up, come up, have fun. Um, you can, if you have an RV, you can rent an RV space. If you just want to pop a tent, you can rent a tent space. Um, but, you know, we just want everybody to think safety. Because folks come out and they, and they don't understand in the desert, you got to have water. And some folks believe that, oh, well, if, when we get done, I'll just go over to McDonald's. Well, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no McDonald's. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's no infrastructure there whatsoever.
2: Uh, well, there's we, one of the things we were teasing uh, the, the, the county commissioners about is there's about 50 public toilets in the whole county. Wow. And we're bringing in 100 porta-potties. So just on our property alone, we're going to have more toilets. they have in the entire
1: county so you have you've recognized an incredible angst among people who want some answers uh regarding area 51 they've pledged to come there and uh and do something and you've you've organized and you've come up with a way that they can actually take that energy and enjoy themselves first of all but also kind of uh, commune on the idea of trying to find a way to um get answers in a civil peaceful and organized fashion
2: that's And that's why the speakers. So we have the speakers that are going to talk on those topics so people can understand. If you want more information, here's who you should write. Let's, let's, let's start a letter writing uh, program. Uh, but I did want to tell you one thing. If people want to storm the back gate of Area 51, they certainly can do it on our property because we built a life-size exact replica of the back gate of Area 51.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome. So you're
2: going to be able to take pictures and and cross the gate and everything. And that's what people want. They want the experience that they came to Area 51. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Has the um, I mean
2: the original guy that that the kid that started this thing, you know, not not too much credibility, but understand he's a young kid, so um he he goes he's only in this for he only cares about money. He doesn't care about He's not a true believer. This just happened for him. He's trying to figure out a way to monetize it. Right. He goes on television and says, Oh, everything's canceled. Well, he has to know what right or authority to cancel my event. Right. And in fact, he didn't have a right or any authority to cancel the one that was going on in Rachel because that lady hired him and paid him to run her event and what ended up being what came out is that this kid had no idea what he was doing so then he started bad and everything and he went to uh, he went to downtown las vegas to set up quote unquote an area 51 party well nobody's going to go to that party because it has nothing to do with area 51 right this is a cultural movement that people want to come up and see what are the surroundings of area 51 why is this place so secret? I mean, why is it so? And then when they get up here, they're going to go, "You couldn't get to this place if you tried." This is not only, not only the most secret uh, installation in the, in, in the world, but it's also, you know, the most heavily guarded uh, place in the world.
1: So as this started to unfold for you and you decided to do something productive with this and create uh, the Area 51 Base Camp Festival, uh, you must have looked at your surroundings, thought of the idea of having, um, I don't know, maybe maybe originally you thought there'd be a few thousand. I don't know what you anticipated in the beginning, but realized that this was going to take a lot of work to, to make this possible, A, and B, safe.
2: Well, it's costing me a lot of money. It's costing the county a lot of money. And it's costing the lady and Rachel a lot of money. But here's the reason why. The reason why we did it, these people were coming no matter what. Right. They, they were, everybody was so, so now they've always, the, the number they have, and it's probably accurate, is about 30,000 people. Well, we already know from discussions I've had with people, they have no idea that they, sh, that they need to wear uh, closed-toed shoes, right? things like that. So the reason we actually we when we started it we were just going to do a water station and then someone said well you know what you should have food trucks because these people are all coming out here and they're like and you know what oh well so then boom all of a sudden we're doing a festival I've never done a festival before but I hired the two best people uh, in the country that do festivals to come and set this up and they and we're ready to go I mean Friday and Saturday here at the Alien Research Center is going to be. An educational, fun, productive day. You're going to come. We're going to have DJs. We're going to have music. When the sun goes down, we are going to have the exclusive preview from Netflix of Jeremy Corbell's documentary on Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar's Aliens and Spaceships. So then after that, we're going to have a big telescope up here so people can look at the stars because this is one of the best places on the Earth you can see stars from.
1: George, you mentioned the Bob Lazar documentary that Jeremy um, Corbell uh, did. Uh, I saw it on Netflix. It's a fascinating film, and I really think it has more to do with reigniting this discussion and maybe uh, curiosity in the topic uh, than probably anything we've seen in a long time. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty, you know, a pretty good assessment. I mean, you know, when Bob came out and he started talking about this, they tried to ruin his life. I mean, they really did. And if it wasn't for George Knapp flying to Alamogordo, New Mexico, and finding a phone book with his name in it, I don't. I think that they would have. I think they would have succeeded in wiping the guy off the face of the earth.
1: They being the government.
2: Yeah, that's who did it.
1: What were they doing?
2: Well, you know, Just
1: discrediting. He...
2: He, no he told he started talking about hey i'm working on this spaceship and you know when you work up there you're not supposed to say anything to anybody right um and that's not what happened bob started talking about it and then the government went to silence him
1: and if i remember correctly the timeline he first came public uh, what was it about 30 years ago
2: yeah, that's about right.
1: So for all those years, he was, uh, in, in effect, living in the shadows, um, trying to, to survive. And it was George Knapp that, that found him and was able to help him bring his story forward?
2: Well, George Knapp, yep, ran his story. And, uh, yeah, and you know, you put a bunch of light on it, and then they have to leave you alone.
1: Right, right. Well, it's a fascinating uh, documentary, and I recommend anyone who hasn't, to take the time to see it—is that the one you're showing at the uh, at the festival?
2: Yes, that's the, that's the one we're showing at the festival.
1: Uh, does Bob uh, make appearances? Does he do anything like that?
2: Um, the 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 cast of the movie. Mm-hmm. There will be cast members from the movie here.
1: Okay, <laughs> you're speak, speaking in code, but that's okay. I understand why. Um, well.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, and and you know what? You just hit the nail on the head. You do understand why.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Um, l- uh, for We only have a couple minutes before our next break, and then on the other side of the break, I want to get into some more of, of what's happening at the event itself. Uh, but how long have you um, had the Alien Research Center?
2: Bought the property in 98, and I built it. The property was finished in... in uh, the property was finished in... 2000
1: and what do you what's uh what do you have going on there is it is it a museum like uh facility or
2: well we have a little museum uh, Mm -hmm. that's 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 going to be opened up again this friday because we've got some more some more stuff that we're putting out so it'll be updated and then you know this is and then it's a big gift shop and and that money helps pay for my hobby I mean, you know, there's, we, I probably have 40 ufologists I work with. And if there's a sighting of a UFO, someone's got to go, someone will drive, you know, to Texas or wherever. And, you know, we have to pay for all that stuff. Right.
1: right. Do you, um, do you follow up on, on reports often? Is that a large part of what you do?
2: Yes. And we, and then we interview people who who believe that they've had an encounter. All
1: right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, like I said, we'll talk more about the festival. But before we do, once again, go through how people can uh, come and participate in what you've got going on this weekend.
2: So this weekend, Friday and Saturday, we're having the um, Storm Area 51 Base Camp Festival. And you can get your tickets at www.stormarea51basecamp.com. And when you get out here, you're just going to see, by the way, it's just pristine, beautiful desert. And as you're coming up from Alamo, from if you come up the Las Vegas way, you're going to see one, two, three lakes. It's, it, you know, it's desert and then it goes into green and then it goes back to desert. It's something really cool to see.
1: I, um... One of the other things I've watched recently on Netflix was the Woodstock documentary. Given this is given this is the 50th anniversary year of Woodstock, um, they had no idea uh, that they were going to get the turnout that they ended up getting. Uh, do you think that's a possibility for your event as well?
2: Uh, that's the that's the concern that law enforcement has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to that be. We think there's thirty. We think there's thirty thousand, and then. And then 100,000 people show up.
1: And if somebody gets in their car and goes there, do they need to uh, plan on leaving to find a place to stay? Or, I mean, how, unless they bring no, a camper. No, they're
2: going to have all the rooms. All the rooms are sold out. Yeah. Unless you have your own RV or you're going to you're going to pop a tent. There you go. You're not going to go down. All the rooms in the entire county and the adjacent county are sold out. And then a lot of the rooms on the way up from Las Vegas are sold out.
1: George, when this whole thing started, and it became very, very clear that there were a lot of people that uh, at least threatened to show up to m- make this effort to get answers at Area 51. Did the military or the government government respond in any way? Did they come out with a statement or anything?
2: No, they never do. They, you know, you could, you and I could sit here and make the most outlandish statements in the world about Area 51, they're never going to even acknowledge it. I mean, it was a couple of years ago um, in the New York Times where the CIA acknowledged there was an Area 51. Right. I'm sure that person got fired considering the CIA (laughs) is not supposed to be working within the borders of the United States.
1: (laughs) Let's jump to our uh, listener line. This is Mark in New Jersey. Hey, Mark, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, how
0: you doing? I just saw your show on YouTube and thought to give you a call. Um, my question is: How do you think the flying saucers fly? How do they move so quickly?
1: That's a great question. Uh, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. What do you What do you think, George?
2: Well, it's a nuclear motor. Um, the Air Force has been trying to rever- reverse engineer it. So they have a they have a sphere. It's a circular ball now that they test out at Area Fifty One. That goes left, right, up, down, backwards, forwards, but it would be, it would be a, a nuclear uh, fusion type situation. Why do you think they need nuclear fusion? Is it not possible to do it with a uh, with a regular power supply? That's way out of my wheelhouse. I'm not an engineer. I don't. Uh, my specialty is being able to read people.
1: Yeah, but thanks for those great questions, Mark. Um, is that something that, that Bob Lazar was working on? Was he working on propulsion?
2: Uh, yes, and, uh, and mostly re- just re-engineering uh, the, um, the spaceship that they had on property. And, you know, they just were doing a reverse engineering so they could figure out how we could use that technology.
1: You must be getting inundated with maybe emails, maybe Facebook posts, maybe phone calls, all of the above. What are people saying about this weekend and what's going
2: well, on? Everybody wants to know. you know that one of the other reasons why we did this and why we spent all this time getting these great speakers is because we wanted to one, the true believers want to want to see you know what's going on, and then the other thing is is introduce kids. Um, you know, to the net the stars or you know and that's and that's one of the reasons we did this
1: as a kid i'm I'm sure you did the same thing I did, George, but uh on a good, clear night, no moon in the sky, and you look up and you see this uh you know uh blanket of stars covering the sky. And uh, it piques a curiosity in most people that's hard to, hard to deny, first of all, but secondly, um, almost impossible to uh, fully comprehend what you're looking at.
2: It hey, runs, especially out here. You know, there's no light pollution out here. So when you look up in the sky and see the stars, it, I don't care who you are, it takes your breath away. So, hey, real quick, over a couple of guys, people, the folks we have. You know, we have Ken Lane uh, coming.
1: He's a dead, Oracle guy. Um, we're having a little bit of trouble here. No, uh, hey, George. Um, you're dropping out yeah. You're dropping out a little bit. Um, I'm going to go to break here and give you a second to reposition yourself, uh, maybe in a, in a spot where you've got better service, and then uh, we'll con- continue the conversation. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be right back. Look out, Rochester. ScareCon is coming for you. The Northeast's leading fan convention for all things pop culture is celebrating its ninth year at the Rochester Riverside Hotel, October 18th through the 20th. ScareCon brings an amazing group of celebrities, panel discussions, film screenings, great vendors, and amazing parties. It's a weekend of fun from start to finish, and it's family-friendly. For more information, visit scaricon.com And check us out on Facebook. Use the promo code BRR at checkout to save 20% on your admission. That's scaricon.com, October 18th through the 20th in Rochester, New York. Uh, Our guest, George Harris, has been disconnected. I guess his phone (laughs) died. Uh, We try not to. uh, We try to use landlines as uh, often as possible when we have guests on the program. But uh, it seems to be... Most people don't have landlines anymore. I don't. I don't use a landline. We do here in the studio, but I don't use a landline. Anyway, we're working to get him back. Um, You know, we're talking about this uh, Storm Area 51 phenomena. And again, I want to emphasize that despite the name and despite the original tongue-in-cheek effort to uh, get people interested in this, no one is really uh, proposing to storm a secret, top-secret military installation Uh, No one is proposing to cross the desert in the middle of the night this coming weekend and actually try to breach the perimeter of the Area 51 military facility. No one is. But what is happening instead is an opportunity for many, many people to get together. People who all share a common interest in the fact that they want some answers, want to know what's going on, want to know what has happened Uh, has there been alien craft stored at this facility? Has there been alien technology reverse engineering going on, as Bob Lazar uh, contends in the documentary about him on Netflix? Recommend that very highly, by the way. Uh, So the answers uh, are being sought, and justifiably so. So our guest, George Harris, has put together an event called the Storm Area 51 Base Camp Festival. You can get more information about the event and how to get tickets because you do need tickets for that event at stormarea51basecamp.com. Now, this whole thing is located in central Nevada. It's about 20 miles from this Area 51. That's where the event is going to be held. Many people uh, believe Area 51 is actually the home to survivors of the Roswell spacecraft, spacecraft crash from 1947. The question is, What are all the strange lights going on there? What are all the saucer-shaped aircraft that are seen floating around Area 51? Uh, Many people believe they're not of this earth. And former U.S. Air Force officials claim that these flying objects are simply prototype secret aircraft. But many others say, no, not possible. Area 51 is so secret that to this day the military even refuses to acknowledge its existence, which is silly because we all know it's there. But in just about a month, ScareCon will be happening in Rochester, New York. If you're anywhere in the Northeast, Rochester is very, very easy to get to. ScareCon is an event. It's kind of like a Comic-Con, but it has a bit of a horror film emphasis. And being that it's in October, October 18th through the 20th, it's perfectly suited for that. A lot of uh, celebrities from film uh, and TV. Plus, there will be film screenings all weekend long as part of the ScareCon Film Festival. There'll be parties, there'll be panel discussions, question and answer sessions with celebrities, photo ops, and a lot of very, very unique vendors. In fact, if you're doing any shopping for Halloween, do it at ScareCon because the vendors are, uh, you'll see things that you won't have an opportunity to see in your uh, neighborhood store. Uh, A lot of great stuff there, plus collectible stuff. Um, Again, go to ScareCon.com. You'll get all the information you need about the event, ScareCon.com. And if you use the promo code BRR on checkout, you'll save you'll save you'll save a few bucks on admission again the c- promo code is brr and the website is beyond or excuse me it's scaricon.com. we are going to go to our, our uh, phone lines this is mark from new jersey hey mark uh we had you on just a little bit i know you had some questions about engineering of uh, propulsion in uh, these craft uh, george that's not his forte he his, his his um efforts are placed elsewhere, but I'm sure, uh, you know, we've had guests on the past that, that actually do have that kind of expertise. Um, the question itself, though, uh, do you have a little experience in this? Uh, yes, I do. I actually
0: founded a business called Falcon Space and been doing research with an actual laboratory to try different experiments and different claims that have been, you know, put out there. There's different books like Ant- Secrets of Antigravity by... Um, he has a French name. I forget his, I forget his last name, but uh, he has like a whole, every single chapter is a different theory on how anti-gravity worked. Uh, and then we delved into those experiments deeper, try to understand their basic uh, understanding of the physics, see which one was most uh, likely to come up with results. Uh, we tried the Townsend-Brown experiment using high voltage electricity, Mm-hmm. Um, built a Faraday cage at the size of a room with high-voltage capacitors and stuff. And I think that theory is kind of debunked because all the movement that we've been seeing was based on ion wind and um, high-voltage uh, attraction and, uh, and you know, courses like that, similar to what happens with magnetism. When you put two poles of a magnet together, right. they push. Yeah. So that's kind of thing we're seeing with really high-voltage electricity. Um, so it's not really anti-gravity um, propulsion. Mm-hmm. But another theory that we're trying out was um, based on a paper written by Mr. Alzafan. Uh, F.E. Alzafan, he wrote a paper in the 1980s. He was working for Boeing at the time, and he offered an alternative theory to uh, general relativity, basically spiced up general relativity a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a method to negate inertial mass, and this is very interesting. Um, his paper was peer reviewed and published at the Joint Propulsion Conference in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And the coolest thing about it is, we actually got the equipment together and we're planning on trying this experiment possibly this weekend to see if it works.
1: Oh wow! Has it ever been tried before?
0: So his son claims that it has been tried um and it worked immediately it basically negated 80% of the inertial mass of the test subject but uh the findings were so exciting that they um they didn't tell the uh they were borrowing equipment from a uh from a uh university at the time some very expensive pieces of equipment mm-hmm. and the university needed them back so rather than tell them the truth that hey we discovered something amazing they just gave the equipment back and, uh, started fighting about who owns what in a company that never existed. So they were never able to reproduce the results for potential investors. And his son went up, ended up writing a book about it under the same title, Anti-Gravity with Present Technology. You can buy it on Amazon for 10 bucks. He lays out an entire, uh, an entire experiment and how to set up the company and basically how to negate gravity using very little power. And explains beautifully how these flying saucers work. It's just a misunderstanding of what inertial mass is.
1: So uh, you can... not everybody uh, decides to create a company and start testing these theories. What made you do this?
0: I came to the realization that aliens are real. You know, they, they, they are real. They are visiting Earth. And there's trillions of dollars to be made in the industry of anti-gravity and whatever technology is. The, the whole secret behind the UFOs is not about aliens. It's about technology. That's why it was covered up in the first place.
1: So, so they're
0: probably not going to find any of this technology at Area 51, anyways. They moved it away years ago.
1: So then you're a believer that the uh, government has been reverse engineering, or maybe, or do, you, or do you believe that they've actually been in cooperation with some aliens for technology exchange? Oh,
0: definitely, definitely. They've been in, they've been in uh, contact with extraterrestrials. Since the '40s that we know about, um, it's rumored that in 1954 they first accomplished uh, anti-gravity using the uh, the UAV, the the um, alien reproduction vehicle, the ARV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ARV basically was a uh, anti-gravity craft that used. Um, it looked like it used hydrogen with fuel cells, similar to the Toyota Mirai people drive around in California. Mm-hmm. So it used pretty low power uh, energy to create an anti-gravity field. So I don't think a nuclear reactor is necessary.
1: As you've done this work, um, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel here? Are you going to be able to come up with a workable, and we'll call it anti-gravity propulsion system at some point? If
0: we if we have an experiment that is definitely successful, um, I've already ha- made contact with people that were. Would be ready to to load out millions of dollars towards this technology. It's uh, definitely the future. It's the real Area Fifty One that we should be storming is in our laboratories. It's trying to figure out how these things work because that's the entire secret.
1: Do you uh, obviously, if you're doing these experiments for anti gravity, I'm assuming you don't think the government has already figured this part of it out.
0: Uh, oh yeah, of course. I'm reinventing the wheel here. Oh, so it's they already? already
1: do you think they've already done it?
0: yeah they' they've done it years ago, yeah this is all this is I'm probably buying their old equipment. Some of the equipment <laughs> I bought was from NORAD are they and, are uh, they
1: um are they implementing this technology anywhere or is it in secret military use
0: uh, that I don't know I mean, I'm sure they're they they're using it for something. If they have the technology, they're definitely flying around with it, but uh, I wouldn't speculate on that
1: uh, I guess because that was going to lead to this question if um if they are using it. Could it be that much of what we see in the sky and consider to be some type of alien craft could actually be our own craft using this technology?
0: Oh, definitely. I, I wouldn't say that for the Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights were definitely not ours. But the, the small little orbs of light that he saw flying around the desert, that's probably ours.
1: That's probably our stuff. Do you think that's why they're, they're so uh, secretive about uh, facilities like Area 51?
0: Uh, definitely, it's definitely about the technology. Uh, think about uh, nineteen forty seven during Roswell that was the beginning of the Cold War right and they needed every technological advance they could get
1: they, uh, so they, they, they were, yeah do you think other nations are uh having the same type of um, cooperation or at least uh, are reverse engineering some of this technology as well or do you, are we the only ones?
0: Um, I have no idea. I just I have not. All I know is that the technology definitely exists. It's real. The alien phenomena is real. Mm-hmm. UFO phenomena is real. And we need to figure out the underlying physics to well, what's going on and to how it works.
1: What made you dedicate yourself to all this? Was, is it because you you saw a problem, you wanted to solve it? Or uh, did you have your own experience along the way?
0: Uh, I never had my own experience. Um I grew up a religious Jew, and I realized that Judaism, for the most part, like the the Old Bible, can be explained. All everything about it can be explained away with aliens. So if you just replace the pillar of fire that the Jews followed into the desert and split the sea, and just replace that with alien spacecraft that look like a pillar of fire, mm-hmm. and using a gravity generator to split the sea, the story makes a lot more sense. So, we've been in contact with these pe- with these extraterrestrials for. For thousands, if not millions of years, I don't know how long how long go, uh back it goes, but the only difference between us and them is technology, and I'm trying to break that gra
1: yeah, yeah, you're convinced of this
0: i'm I'm one hundred percent convinced of it, yeah
1: so when you uh did you see the Bob Lazar documentary? It's on Netflix?
0: yeah, okay, about Bob Lazar, I think what happened with Bob Lazar is that he was shown a real spacecraft but was given a bullshit explanation on how it works. So that he would go out and uh, disseminate that information to the masses. Because uh, element 115 is not stable. Element 116, which is supposed to be what it turns into when you hit it with a particle accelerator, it's supposed to create antimatter. Mm-hmm. Element 116 is not antimatter. It's just highly radioactive. So, And also that's concentrating on the power supply, which I really don't care about. I have three-phase electricity at the lab, you know, I could, you know, charge up a capacitor to make megawatts of power if needed, but I really don't think you need high power to run these experiments. I think the underlying physics can be proved in a lab at pretty low power.
1: Bob seems very genuine in that in that piece, um, he, and his story has remained... Yeah, he's ra- definitely
0: genuine, because yeah. he's, he's, exp- he's telling you what he saw and what they told him. What they told him wasn't necessarily true.
1: How has he been allowed to uh, talk about this? And, uh, you know, our our guest George Harris said that he it kind of ruined his life for a while, um, but ultimately he came out on top, given the fact that he's been able to tell the story freely now. Um, But how is he getting away with telling these stories when it seems like others haven't been able to?
0: Because he's telling misinformation. He's telling you to look into Element 115 on optamium, which is a joke in the... uh in the ufology crowd, obtainium is something that you can't possibly build. as in the word unobtainium? Like, it's, unop, it's not obtainable. Right, right. So he's basically putting the carrot way out over the hills, and saying, oh, it's impossible. You never get it. So people just never try.
1: Right. Uh, so what's next for you and your team and, and your and your research? What are you going to do next?
0: So we're going to try this alpha fan experiment, and basically the experiment, The uh, theory goes that inertial mass is caused from a subatomic um, effect that happens in the nucleus of the atom where you have protons and neutrons and all the subatomic particles. And they're basically all spinning around like little fidget spinners, like little gyroscopes. And when they're all oriented in different directions, it gets hard to move it. Because you're moving it against the axis of some of the subatomic particles or some of the uh, little fidget spinners, and that energizes those subatomic particles. So think of the subatomic particles as fidget spinners. It makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. what's actually going on. Like when you throw a ball, what you're really doing is energizing the subatomic particles in the atoms of that baseball. And when it hits the bat, you know, the, the energy is, uh, the, the spins of the subatomic particles are changed their orientation is changed. So that's where, the, that's where the effects of inertial mass come from. So what you need to do is, similar to what happens in an MRI machine, you have to orient using a strong magnetic field. You orient the uh, electrons around the atom in a way that you can transfer the orientation from the electrons into the nucleus. and get the nucleus oriented at one point, and then the entire craft takes on the inertial mass of a single subatomic particle at which point you just light up a light bulb or something out the side and you'll shoot off at nearly the speed of light because you weigh nothing. Wow. Oh.
1: Okay. Um, listen, we appreciate you calling and sharing this with us and will you do us a favor? Uh, if you have any breakthroughs or any, uh, you know, learn anything more about any of this, if you'll contact us and, and keep us up to date? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Definitely
0: we I will. We have, we have a YouTube channel, Falcon Space Program, And you can go to falconspace.org. It'll take you directly to the uh, YouTube channel. You can watch all of our experiments. They're unedited. You can see them as they happen. That's great. Um, And,
1: uh, yeah. Awesome. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you being on.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Okay, so um, before we go to break here, I just wanted to take one last second and uh, pick up where George left off when we lost him. Um, He was going to go through some of the speaker's and uh, featured guests of the weekend event, the Storm Area 51 Base Camp Festival. Uh, Leading the list here is Jeremy Corbell. He's the director, the filmmaker of the Bob Lazar film, um, which is on Netflix. I highly recommend you see that. Also, Dave Foley, he's a stand-up comedian, also a director and producer. Um, He'll be at the event. Ken Lane, Lane, he's the writer and editor and publisher of the Desert Oracle, which is a field guide that covers strange tales of the desert. Jane Kyle, she's known as UFO Jane. She'll be there. Um, She's documented hundreds of UFO sightings on her website and her YouTube channel. Jim Goodall, he's a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant. And he's a world-renowned expert on the SR-71 Blackbird spy plane and the F-117 stealth fighter. And also Area 51. Many people believe technology for the SR-71 and the F-117 were, uh, came from Alien Origins, and Richard Doty will be on hand, um, and and many many others. So a lot of great uh, people will be featured at the Area uh, Storm Area Fifty One Base Camp Festival. We're going to uh, take a quick listener call here. Uh, this is Judy calling from Denver. Hey Judy, welcome to the show.
3: Yes, glad to see uh, talk to you.
1: Well, happy to have you on. I'm... We've only got a couple minutes here, so you had an experience.
3: Yes, my mother and I drove a girlfriend back home, which was on. Um, east side of Floyd Hill on old Highway 40, which is I-70. And we saw this optic, and we pulled up the stop signs across the sky so fast we couldn't believe what it was. And the minute we started talking about it, it stopped. And I don't mean it decelerated. Not one bit. It just, it was going, and then it just stopped.
1: It just came to an abrupt stop.
3: Yeah. No deceleration. Okay. And then we went and washed it, and when we were talking about it, it went upwards. I would say maybe five hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Could be more.
1: Mm-hmm. Straight up.
3: And then it went to Denver. After we said we better get home, and it turned out it's like it was listening to us. But this thing was like a fried egg. A real fresh fried egg with the yellow yolk, and it was iridescent green on the yolk end. And on the flat white part of the egg, uh, was white. I had never in my life since then, even watching rockets going up, ever seen anything fly that fast. Or that could stop that quick? And I don't think how, a human.
1: How long ago did you have this? It's
3: the G forces,
1: Judy. How long ago did you have this experience?
3: That was in '57.
1: Okay, so a few years ago, um, but and you haven't seen anything since.
3: Uh, we saw something like it going over Rudi towards the east. Yeah. Towards Denver.
1: Similar. Look, had that fried egg. And shape. my
3: husband and I saw that.
1: Wow. Uh, again, and that one looked like a fried egg as well?
3: It was so high up. I, it was round. Couldn't quite stuff. tell. That's yeah. all I could
1: see. Yeah. Hey, Judy, Thank we, we're we out of time, but thank you so much for sharing that with us, uh, and we appreciate you listening out in Denver. Uh, we'll have another opportunity to share some more of these stories next time we have um, a guest on and have a little bit of extra time. But we'll, we'll be talking uh, tomorrow night a little bit more about aliens when we talk to uh, Reed Summers, and we're going to be talking about the Allies of Humanity group of extraterrestrial beings from various planets. It's Beyond Reality Radio.